Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, we are joined by 2024 presidential candidate Michael Rechtenwald. Really appreciate Michael joining me today. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send me some health insurance referrals. Um, I am actually licensed in Pennsylvania, 14 states across the country. So if anyone needs any help with health insurance, um, please let me know. The sponsors for the Kelly Patrick Show are as follows. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Michael Rechtenwald, returning guest. Michael, how are you? I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate you coming back on the show. I thought it would be a good uh, uh, idea to hear what your response would be to the question, and I know you heard it, everybody listening's heard it, um, supposedly a Democratic Party plant is what Haley's claiming, but someone came out and asked the simple question to Nikki Haley, what was the reason for the Civil War? And she did not handle the question very well at all. Nobody is saying she did a good job with that. No one. Right. Um, what are your thoughts on the question, and what's your response, please, Michael? Well, first I'll, I'll address the the way she answered that question, she's either uh, utterly historically uh, deficient uh, or she was making a political gamble by, or she was afraid to make a political gamble, thinking that her particular constituency or her supporters would not want to hear about certain things and that they would, they would be, um, they would be disaffected by an answer that they didn't like. But the obvious answer is that the Civil War started because the South wanted to secede from the Union. And then you have to go into the question of why they wanted to secede. And they wanted to secede because they wanted to maintain slavery. And uh, the, 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 But really the question became 
uh, whether the union had the right, whether the uh, whether Washington D.C. Uh, or Abraham Lincoln uh, had the right to impose on them this union, and uh, so I think secession should be a right, and a state should be able to secede, or a group of states should be able to secede, and then uh, to deal with their own questions themselves. I don't. I think that the uh, the Civil War was really a war of tyranny of the Union over the seceding states. And uh, but I, you know, I certainly don't support slavery. I think it should, you know, it should have been abolished, obviously, because it's a it's a violation of the non-aggression principle, and the idea that one should have a right over property of over one's self. That's the primary uh, foundational principle of libertarianism. So. While I, I think right, a state should have a right to secede, I also think more primary right is the right of persons over their uh, having property in themselves and self-determination. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to adjudicate the question of whether the Civil War should have been fought. I, I, well, I will say I, I think it shouldn't have been fought, but I, I also think that slavery should have been abolished. So... That's how it should have happened. I think uh, the campaign against uh, slavery abolitionism was strong anyway, and uh, likely it would have ended regardless of the Civil War. So, um, you know, I think it was a tyrannical move on on Lincoln's part to uh, force the the southern states into the Union by war. And uh, it's a very harrowing lesson in history because it shows what these centralized governments will do, what extents they'll go to to disallow secession and self-determination of various states. That's the the not answer in a nutshell that I would have given. Now, but I don't know if I don't know if Nikki Haley's an idiot or or just being politically careful. Either case, but in either case, it defaults back to idiot. I'd, I'd say. We're, we're- Regardless, Michael, in my opinion, what you just said didn't sound very controversial. The South wanted to succeed because secede because of they wanted to keep slavery. So mm-hmm. you, had you said that, I don't even think like like CNN or anyone would have had trouble with. That. I don't think would that would someone have been critical of what you said? I mean, there's there are certain historians that might have a different reading. Um, you know, you have different views of course the the conventional view is simply slavery uh but i think secession is the more principled uh, i'm sorry the more principle uh point um that was really the issue for for lincoln for the for the union so but then again you got to go back to what the question was which made the south want to secede and i think that question really is slavery so it's kind of a two a two part two layered uh, uh, issue, and uh, I I think on on the two issues, secession should be uh, should be allowed and uh, slavery should be abolished. So, <laughs> well, I mean that sounds it certainly makes sense. If you hear someone saying Abraham Lincoln is the greatest president. Of all no, time. I wouldn't go there. I think he's one of the worst. 
because of his tyrannical uh, pro-unionist, uh, you know, uh, oppression of the of the southern states and the the disastrous war that was fought as a consequence. So I think for the po- the political reason for the war was secession. Uh, and uh, from the from the union's point of view, secession was the real issue. Abolition was uh, not the driving force, but it really was the result of the war against secession. Okay. So I mean, that took less than you know that would that would have been a long answer for what that that person was was asking. However, I mean, you basically said it right at the beginning. It was over the South uh, seceding from from the Union. Right. That's it. And and then you're just simply saying the South wanted to secede because they wanted to maintain the system of slavery. And they argued that it was economically uh, vital, not only to their own uh, welfare, but to the world's welfare, they said. Some of, some of their most leading spokespersons. So if you hear someone saying, I think I actually heard Vivek uh, Ramaswamy say, Abraham Lincoln is the greatest president of all time. Yeah, I mean, that's just pandering to people. That's just pure political pandering. Because he happened to be a Republican at the time. Yeah, I mean, that's just pandering, and it doesn't, it doesn't address the issue of secession, which I think... All the centralized government uh, government people are opposed to. They want to have power over everybody, and so they don't want any kind of independence. Uh, they don't love. They don't want decentralization. They don't want local government. Uh, they want to have more centralized force over all the constituencies. You know, we just see this playing out in Pennsylvania, my state, where a, uh, a farmer, Amos Miller. Uh, is being invaded, you know, being raided by uh, the, the Food and Drug Administration with the uh, aid of the state troopers there in eastern Pennsylvania. You know, more like it's more like uh, Middle East Pennsylvania, and uh, this is the idea of local autonomy is the issue at stake. Really, can you can does the central government have a right to con- control all products? produced and sold on the marketplace or should this be a should local autonomy be allowed and i stand for local autonomy that story is getting a lot of national or you know even international attention i've seen that all over the place what's going to yeah. happen what's going to happen there well they're going to try to destroy this guy uh and shut him down entirely and they they stole his uh, property uh his products and likewise, they may go on further and steal the infrastructure for those prop for those products, the cows and whatever other animals he has. Uh, and they may even try to seize his property itself, uh, the farm. Uh, and likewise, this could be a real flashpoint, I think, particularly for all libertarian-minded people, that we need to have local control and control over the local guns sheriff and police so that this is prevented that state troopers can't just come in and steal your property and investigate you for a product that other people are buying that people want and that they have no right to control 
Uh, so this is going to be a real hot issue. This is a this is a symbolic issue, but it's a real me- economic issue for this particular farmer and his customers. But it's a it's ep- ep- uh, it's a real um, it's an episode that uh, really has a significant symbolic importance. Michael, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Like I, I said at the beginning, we were going to talk about how Nikki Haley just fumbled that, that question away and it's got so much negative press. Has she gotten negative press about that question, in your opinion, for the right reasons? I don't know if that makes sense. No, not exactly, no. Uh, they, want the ant- they want the patent answer. It was to, you know, that the Civil War was fought to abolish slavery. They want to... And they avoid the question of secession altogether because, and this is why secession, because of the historical uh, considerations of the South and the slaveholding, this is why secession has gotten such a bad name. Uh, But they use that as a pretext in order to disqualify all secessionism. And they label all peoples that want secession or the right to secede as racists, as uh, you know, uh, slave, slave, you know, slaver, slavers or slaver wannabes and so forth. But secession is a deeper issue and a more fundamental one uh, than, uh, than simply the coincidence of the fact that the South's real uh, motivation for trying to uh, stay, to secede was, uh, was slaveholding. So, I mean, it could be any other number of things that could contribute to the desire to secede, including the kind of thing I just mentioned with reference to Pennsylvania here. And what we need is more and more decentralization, more localization, more local control. And the, the closer the government is to you, the less oppressive it is. So we want to get to the point where we have government that is closer and closer to the people and, and ab- abolishing centralized government over people the more we have that the more liberty we attain so that's what i'm my whole campaign is about is that an anarchist view well ultimately it doesn't have to be anarchist um you know this comes down to the question of what is government which is tricky in, in the end say you have a community of uh say 3,000 people, let's just say. And these people have a self-governing uh, autonomous region that is not, uh, let's say they're not under any uh, centralized state. Do they have a government? Well, in a sense, the government becomes the system that they're operating on. And maybe they have elders and trusted uh, civil servants. Is that a government? I, I, I don't know. It's really not, it comes down to what the question of what is government. In the end, I strive for anarcho-capitalism as a asymptote, you know, as a goal that's never really achieved. But it needs to be the goal because that's how you get to freedom. The closer we get to it, uh, the better. And whether that would end up having government at the local level is really a question that's almost indeterminable. Um, because what is government in the end? I don't think 
what what we're talking about here is really tyranny and and centralization is the is the question uh, and uh so the distance between the state uh you know not only geographically but culturally economically etc people that have no interest in your local community having power over you that have no stake in no skin in the game except that they can extract taxes from you and control your behavior. Uh, they really have no right to tell you what to do. And uh, so we need to get away from that entirely. And I think secession is a way to do it, but it's more like decentralization overall. And that is to say, the closer you get the government to you, the closer it is to a pr purely private property society where people's ownership over property decides what happens with reference to it. You know, you have self-determination and autonomy. That's the key. Would your description of the state that you just gave and the entire mm -hmm. message of your campaign, is it consistent with maybe one libertarian thinker, economist, author? Is there anyone in particular who has primarily influenced your campaign? Well, I would say Rothbard, Mary Rothbard, is the primary influence. And then secondarily, Hans Hermann Hoppe. Uh, both of them argued for decentralization. Hoppe more, more at more length and in more detail than, uh, than Rothbard. But Rothbard laid out the overall sketch of the idea. And then Hoppe began to fill out the particulars very in a very detailed way. In particular, in his book uh, "Democracy: The God That Failed," the God that failed. Uh, that book, uh, you know, this is a flashpoint for libertarians because there are some libertarians who maintain that Hans Hermann Hoppe was not a libertarian, or is not a libertarian. I should say he's still alive. I disagree entirely. What it is is these libertarians are property rights-based libertarians, and that's that's what I am—a property rights-based libertarian. And that is to say, property rights are primary. Um, this informs all aspects of my campaign, including my stance on immigration and so forth. The point of our episode today was to discuss the question to Nikki Haley about the Civil War and really, I guess, the role of maybe even Abraham Lincoln. Of course, as anarcho-libertarians, we're not big on worshiping any president or any political figure, really. If, right. you, if you had to choose a president of all time, not Abraham Lincoln, he's not the best of all time, do you have an answer? Who's the best president of all time? Well, I mean, in what he tried to do, uh, I would say Andrew Jackson did some uh, was a good one uh, because he tried to fight against the central banks. Uh, he tried to fight against what would, you know, the Fed, what would, you know, uh, the Federal Reserve against, against the... Um, uh, the establishment of it, and and so forth. So Andrew Jackson, and let's see, uh, uh, and then I'd have to go much further back. Uh, Thomas Jefferson. Uh, I think you know Jefferson was a brilliant thinker. Now, of course, he owned slaves. So, but <laughs> um, the thing about Jefferson is that he was really an anti-federalist. He 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 believed in nullification and decentralization. He thought that the that the states and even localities should have control over what they do and they shouldn't be imposed upon by the central state. 
And so he was also great. And George Washington as a revolutionary generally as well. I heard someone say George Washington, and maybe they were wrong, but he kind of came up with the idea of term limits for presidents. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a pretty good contribution. Yeah, I would like to get to the point where presidents didn't matter that much and uh, that we don't have to choose between one type of centralized imposition on us and another. And they're really not that different in in respect to many different issues. None of them are willing to abolish the welfare state. None of them are willing to abolish the warfare state. Uh, None of them are willing to abolish the Fed. Uh, So really, we don't have major opposition. We have a kind of faux left, faux right. Well, I would say a real left versus a faux faux right. Uh, That's really what we've got. I know we're coming up to the end of our time limit here, but I have one question that that you... um you prompted me for there. Michael, you said none of them will abolish the welfare state. Right. Do you hate disabled people? No, no, not at all. In fact, I think they should be well cared for. And they would be better cared for if it weren't for the parasitical state sucking their blood such that we can't care for them ourselves. People should be able to be cared for probably by their relatives, by charity, and they would be able to do so without question if it were not for the state sucking us dry. Uh, so these bloodsuckers, uh, they take on so-called on, on the behalf of or supposedly on the behalf of the, the needy, but they end up producing more needy people in the process and more uh, wards of the state. And that's their objective. Uh, so I don't trust the, I don't trust the government to take care of the, of the handicapped or the, disabled or any of that is there a historical precedent for charity yes caring for the disabled more so than occurs today why did it happen then why is it not happening now happening now well i'm a historian of 19th century britain and i would say there was a lot of cooperative uh, organizations and you even had uh, you know like the analog to what we call social security, it was all private. They had, you had private companies uh, that were nonprofit mostly, and people contributed some part of their pay to that private institution so that if you became unemployed, for example, then you would get what we would call unemployment compensation, but it was not, it was purely voluntary. That's the key. You did not have to subscribe. You became a subscriber by virtue of your own decision. And that kind of collectivism, I mean, it's not really collectivism. That kind of mutualism is really what it is, mutual protection. That is, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But what is wrong is when involuntarily money is wrested from you at the point of the gun, taken from you to supposedly take care of people either now or in the future either through social you know, welfare or through Social Security. I would love to have all the Social Security money that I paid in returned to me immediately plus interest and accounting for inflation. That would be fair. It is not right that they took it from me against my will. Fair. Michael Rechtenwald, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Before we wrap things up, 
if someone's listening, um, they maybe they this is the first they've heard of you. Um, this is a presidential campaign you're in the middle of. Um, how can they learn more about you? How can they support you? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, so they can go to wreck and you can see how it's spelled R E C the regime.com one word get aboard the wrecking ball uh that's that's our meta- metaphor for the campaign javier had a chainsaw we have a we have a wrecking ball and uh so get behind that if you can volunteer uh if you're interested and also we could use contributions we need to stay alive to get this message out uh, and to spread liberty our objective is to increase liberty in the lives of people in the United States first. And that's what we're trying to do. So please help us do that. Help us keep the liberty message alive before liberty is completely forgotten. Michael Rechtenwald, thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here.